0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. I want to welcome those of you that are here in a very full room today. So glad to see you. We are in a series we're calling Foundations. We're, we're building for the future on the legacy of the past. On the first Sunday in December 1951, Calvary Church was born, and uh, I've been thinking about this, like looking back and remembering certain things as we look back on the past and our history as a church. Some of you may know the story, some of you have lived some of the story, you're familiar with it, but for those of you, if you're new to Calvary, those 70 years, there's not a whole lot that you know about. So let me tell you the story real quick, and let me tell you the story through the places that the church has been. The church started first Sunday in 1951. These were the folks that were there in an upstairs storefront on Facet Street in East Toledo. And on the first anniversary of the church, these individuals who were all there that first Sunday got together for a commemorative photograph. They said, there's too many lost people in Toledo and not enough churches. And we believe that God is calling us to do something about it. Um, That was in December. That summer, they started meeting on the corner of Oak and Facet in a tent All summer long, they called it the Calvary Canvas Cathedral. That rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It was awesome, and uh, did that for the summer. They spent the winter at an auditorium in the Pythian Castle in downtown Toledo. If you know where that is, went back to the tent that next summer, and then moved into this their first permanent home on Oak Street. Uh, sorry for the quality of that photo, but their first permanent home on Oak Street. And uh, then in the early 60s, they moved out to South Toledo at Burn and Glendale in the Southland area. Anybody know where that is? So let's just let's just start here. Anybody that was that was your first Calvary experience? Anybody? here you go all the way back to burning glendale okay yeah a few people all right and then we moved in 1985 to this home at uh, further down on glendale right near reynolds road and the south wick area anybody that was your first calvary experience yeah a bunch of us that was mine and uh, for many of us and then nine years ago in 2012 we made the move here to the former mommy 18 cinema anybody ever see a movie here Okay, any of you, this was your first Calvary experience. Okay, raise your hand. How many of you slept more during the movies than you did church? Let's just, let's just well, well, we won't go into all of that. So, but that was a huge move for us. Why talk about the places? Because God works in places. You know, the, the land that God promised to them was a place, it was a land. God works through places. We uh, look at the epistles that Paul wrote and how many of them are named after the places that he wrote to. We understand them more when we understand the places where they were. He wrote the book of Romans to the church that was in... You guys are so smart, right? He wrote the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, the, the first and second Thessalonians to the church in Thessalonica. Today, we're gonna look at the letter he wrote to the church in a city called Philippi. So turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter one here in this room, or if you're watching on a screen, uh, whether you have a print or a digital version, let's go to Philippians chapter one. We can tell the story through the places, but let's just be honest. The story's really about the people. Paul knew this when he wrote to the places because in in all of his letters that he wrote, we call the letters that an apostle wrote in the New Testament, we call those epistles. And in all the epistles that Paul wrote, he starts them by thanking the people. Well, all but one. In Galatians, he doesn't thank them. He was a little cranky when he wrote that one if you've not read it. But, But the other ones, he all starts by thanking God for the people. Let's just look at Philippians. Philippians chapter one, verse three. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This little thing that he does there that we can just read right past, like if we're not careful, we'll, we'll just kind of, if we're, we're reading, we'll blow right past this stuff because he starts the letter by saying, hey, this is who's writing it and this is, this is kind of some theological, You know, we, we can just push right past those things and ignore those things. And then he writes this, which just seems like a greeting, but he says, go back to verse three, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. That was actually a cultural thing to do in letters. So Paul took a cultural practice of thanking for the person that you're writing to and turned it into a gospel experience. He said, I thank my God every time I think of you. And as I've been thinking about this series and, and praying about how do we commemorate and celebrate 70 years, that verse just kept coming back to my mind. In the years that I've been privileged to be a part of what God has been doing through the people of Calvary, so many times I've just thought, man, I, God, I thank you for these people. Thank you for your church. Thank you for what you have done. And so here's what I wanna do. I, I wanna take a few moments and use Paul's model in those verses. Philippians chapter one, verses three through six, and talk about three things we thank God for after 70 years of Calvary Church. When we look back on our history, when we look back on what God has done in the life of this church, our church, there's three things that when we look at what Paul said about the church that he loved, that I think it's good for us to remember as well. So we'll, we'll jump in. Here's, here's three things. The first one is this. Number one, we thank God for joy in the journey. We thank God for joy in the journey. You know life's kind of a journey, isn't it? <laughs> As it ups and downs and and bends and curves, you're never quite sure what's gonna happen, and that's true in 70 years for a church. Paul's writing to this church that he loves in Philippi, and he says, every time I think of you, I thank God for you, and and then he says this in verse four. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, and when I read that, I thought to myself, why, why joy? Like, why was that the thing that hit him, why that emotion? Did he just have a really good time there? Like were these just of all the people kind of his favorite people, like he just kind of was filled with joy when he thought about them? Or did he say that purposefully? Like if you look at those first few verses of the book of Philippians, kind of the first eight, 11 verses there, what Paul does in what seems like just introduction stuff to us is he inserts themes in those verses that he wants the church to see are a part of the larger message he's trying to communicate. And one of the major messages, one of the main emphasis of the book of Philippians is the idea of joy. If you read through the book, you're gonna see Paul mention it over and over and over again. There's four chapters in the book of Philippians. And he makes a strong statement about joy or rejoicing in every one of those chapters. Let me show you just kind of a few of them. Here's the one in chapter one, Philippians chapter one, verse 17. Paul is talking about people who are not agreeing with him. They, They don't like him, they're not on his team, but they're preaching about Jesus. And he says, look, the former preached Christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Have you ever had anybody stir up trouble for you? Come on, be honest, anybody? I don't mean this last week, I mean just some other time. Like, have you ever had somebody stir up trouble for you? What's he mean in chains? He's in prison when he writes this. And he says, but what does it matter? He says, he goes on to say that the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, he says, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He says, look, life's difficult right now. There's people who are trying to make it difficult for me. In fact, here I sit in prison, it kind of feels like somebody's out to get me. It feels like life is against me, And yet, do you know what I'm encouraging you to do? Same thing I'm doing. He says, I want you to rejoice. Don't let that situation, don't let that moment get you down. Rejoice when life seems to be against you. Even in those difficult moments in your journey, choose that joy and rejoice. That's what he says in chapter one. Then he hits it again in chapter two. And he says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, just just to real quick give some context to that, a drink offering would have been a, a, a sacrifice if, if, you, if you study kind of the Old Testament Jewish times. It would have been a, something that would have been poured out. So it almost in some ways feels like a waste, and yet it's an act of sacrifice and service to God. You're watching this thing be emptied. Paul says, that's how my life feels right now. He says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and, here he goes again, rejoice with all of you. He says, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. He says, look, I know life's a journey, but rejoice when you are both serving and suffering. Sometimes serving another person is really difficult, and suffering is never easy. And Paul says, even in both of those seasons of life, and sometimes they come together, You rejoice when you are both serving and suffering. You know the things that are going on around you. You know the place you find your life right now. You know the difficulties, the questions. Somebody said to me recently, they said, I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what to do. Even in those moments, Paul says, rejoice. And he doesn't stop there. Chapter three, he says this. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Can you say something else, buddy? It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. You're saying, look, there's a lot of false teachings that are going around. There's a lot of stuff that could come in and be distracting. It could cause you to believe things that aren't true. It could make your heart bitter. It could kind of mess you up. So you know what I'm going to say to you? I'm going to say this to you again. I want you to rejoice because that rejoicing, if you'll find joy even in the middle of these messy situations, it's a safeguard for you. Rejoice to guard your heart. Because if I, if I don't choose joy, what comes in instead is frustration, or disappointment, or resentment, or I give up, or I become bitter. This is why in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah says to us that we should rejoice because the joy of the Lord is our, anybody? <laughs> strength the joy of the Lord is your strength so when I choose joy over just letting my circumstances determine how I respond to life's journey in those moments I actually guard my heart from things that could be destructive which is why we'll give you one more shot Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 Paul says rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice Like, he stresses this over and over and over again. When life seems to be against you, when you're serving, when you're suffering, when you need to guard your heart, Paul says to this church over and over and over again, he says, I want you to rejoice. Not just in the good seasons of life. He's writing from prison. He says, even now, I want you to rejoice. If if you're new to Calvary, let's just say even in the last 20 years, there's probably parts of our story as a church that you might not be familiar with or you didn't live. You'd like to say that every one of the days in this last 70 years was a happy day, but had that been your story? <laughs> not been the story of the church either. Because there was a season when the church had extreme financial difficulties, found themselves kinda underwater and upside down on a construction project, where the creditors would show up on Sunday after church and they would wait outside the building because they thought that was their best shot at getting any of their money in a tough season. Calvary went through a really tough and devastating season of moral failure. Calvary went through some really rough seasons of unity challenges in the church, seasons that come in life, things you don't see coming, and then they hit you in the journey. Do you know what I'm talking about? But can I tell you something, 23 years ago, when our family showed up here, I noticed something about this church that was different. I think ever since I was a kid, I've just, I just kind of been a student of churches. And one of the things I noticed was even though this church had had hit after hit after hit after hit, and I'd seen other churches that had taken hits, even though this church had taken hit after hit after hit, there was something about the people that realized our hope, our confidence, our joy is not tied up in our seasons. It's in our Savior. Our hope is not set in the circumstances of where we are right now. But how did did Paul say that? But believing that what we're going through right now, he's somehow going to work for our deliverance. He's somehow going to work this out. And look, in the midst of your journey where you're at, the danger is I can so focus on what's happening right here that I can lose the joy in my heart. So Paul says, guard your heart and rejoice. And realize that I know it's not easy right now, but he might be using this thing that's difficult to actually work your deliverance down the road. That he's doing something, even in the times when you wonder, is my life being wasted? Rejoice. Do not allow the challenges of this world to cause you to stop rejoicing in the character of our God. Because even when you face those circumstances and you face those situations, does God change? Does God change? (laughs) No, he is faithful, and he is with us, and we can trust him in every one of those seasons. So what will your response be? Will you choose to just respond out of the situation, which sometimes might seem like the right thing to do? Or will you say, I'm going to choose joy? A lady in England recently had ordered a TV online. And it got delivered to her house. Like she knew that it got delivered to, she lives in an apartment complex, got delivered to her front door. She got a, you know, like a little snapshot and assurance you know, that came through the app that the, the order had been confirmed. And then when she got home, it wasn't there and somebody stole her TV. So she decided to take matters into her own hands. So she wrote a note, copied it, stuck it under all the doors in her apartment complex and it said this, to the person who stole my TV, bring it back and all will be forgiven. Isn't that sweet? That was nice. Otherwise, there will be no Christmas in this building. I will steal every single package. I will steal every mat and every trash can. I will engage in warfare until the day I move out. It is up to you. You have 24 hours. Guess what? She got her TV back. But I think she lost her joy. Right, I read that and I was like, living like that is miserable. Feeling that kind of pressure. And look, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live a life where I feel like I'm constantly being shaped by the challenges or the circumstances or situations. And look, I'm not saying what you're going through is not difficult. And I'm not saying you don't have to make tough decisions. And I'm not saying there's not going to be tough seasons. Paul sat in prison when he wrote those things. And I think he would have rather been somewhere else. But here's what he knew. He knew that my God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I choose joy. My encouragement to you as I look back on 70 years in the life of this church choose joy in your journey. Wherever you are right now, to say, God, I choose to rejoice. So Paul writes this letter, and he says, you know, every time I thank you, I thank God. I pray prayers for you with joy. Why? Well, here's the second reason. Number two, we thank God for partnership in the gospel. Number two, we thank God for partnership in the gospel. Here's what he says, Philippians chapter one. I thank my God every time I remember you, and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. That's an interesting word partnership. It's the Greek word koinonia, if you've ever heard that word. It has the idea of, of fellowship, of support, of generosity, of connectedness. It's not just, hey, we know each other. It's not just we're on the same team. But We know what it's like to be in the trenches together. Do you, do you know what I mean? Kind of the difference of that. He says your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now he could have put the period right there but i think it's interesting that he says from the first day until now because when he's writing this and i forget this sometimes when he's writing this he has actual people in mind like it's his it's his story i often read these things like they're just kind of hanging out there in space but when paul writes this he's thinking about real people like he's got snapshots of faces because the first day in that church, Paul was there. So when he writes that, he's thinking of people. Now here's what's cool about the church in Philippi. We can do a little research and actually find out who those people were. Like we know who was there. We know a little bit about their character. We can actually talk about what their partnership in the gospel looked like. One of those people was a lady named Lydia that we hear about in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, Tells us the story of Paul in Philippi, and we read this that one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, and as a result, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us, this is, this is Luke writing about the, the group that was there with Paul. She invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. So right out of the gate, when Paul says, I, I remember your partnership in the gospel from the first day. Well, that was the first day. Like, that was it. So he's thinking of Lydia her role in the church. And we understand that when he thinks that, he recognizes that we partner in the gospel through relationship. When we have a relationship with one another, when we connect with one another, there's something we are doing to move the gospel forward. I'm, I'm convinced, after the last two years, I'm convinced now more than ever that one of the great needs in my life and the great needs in your life is to be connected to other people. Like, we need relationship. And when I don't have healthy relationship, I see that it affects other areas in an unhealthy way in my life. Anybody else? So one of the things you're gonna hear us as we go into 2022, that's the next year, right? I'm all confused anymore. As we, as we go into 2022 and we go into the next year, one of the things you're gonna hear us talk about more is where are you connected? Like we think it's really important that in some way you're connected in the life of the church. One of the main ways to do that is through a life group, that you find a way to connect with other believers. And these relationships are critically important. So we're gonna talk more about that, how important that is. But when I talk about that, for some of you, there is something that stirs inside of you right away and say, yes, I need that. Yes, I've experienced that. And some of you even go, yes, I wanna be a part of that. Like you feel that little stirring in in your spirit that the Lord's saying, hey, you, you you could partner in the gospel in that way. Not only finding relationship for yourself, but in helping others to find it as well. And if that's kind of stirring inside of you, one of the things that we're hoping for is that many of you will step up and say, hey, I'd be willing to lead a life group. I'd be willing to help others find that community. We wanna help you to do that. We wanna provide the resources, the training, all that kind of stuff to just kind of walk through. If that's kind of stirring inside of you, would you just shoot an email to lifegroups at toledocalvary.org? It couldn't be much easier, could it? (laughs) Just shoot an email to lifegroups at Just give us your contact information. Somebody from the team will contact you this week, and we'll begin a conversation about what it means to be a part of that because we partner in the gospel through relationships. So when Paul's writing this and he says, man, I thank God for you from the first day until now, your partnership in the gospel, he went to Lydia. I, I want to say there's another face that probably came to his mind. Now, we don't know this dude's name. We just refer to him as the Philippian jailer. Because if you remember the story, Paul goes in, into prison with Silas and Philippi. While they're there, they have a late night prayer meeting and start singing songs from the hymn book. Do you remember this? And when they start having this worship service, an earthquake comes, and God kind of shakes the whole place up and their chains fall off and the doors fly open. And when this crazy thing happens because of their praise, watch what happens, Acts chapter 16. The jailer called for lights and he rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas and he then brought them out and asked sirs, what must, why, why do I think this is important? Because this story is an Acts, and then Paul's talking here, and if you're telling this story about this dude and what happened to him, can't you kind of think that if Luke's gonna tell the story, it's because this guy's still a part of the church? And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. He brings his kids to church with him, isn't that awesome? And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole household. We partner in the gospel in relationships, but we also partner in the gospel through faith. When we put our faith in Jesus and we allow him to change our lives, the testimony of our lives affects others. And I will tell you this, what our world desperately needs to see is people whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. True? That are willing to step out and live out their faith and show that life change. And so we know that happened in this dude's life. So as Paul's writing to a man who had to have a lot of courage to do what he did, like to go against the authorities and bring these prisoners into his home and to care for them in this way. Man who was willing to let his faith affect how he actually lived, he partnered in the gospel. Paul also brags on this church. When you go to 2 Corinthians chapter eight, Paul writes about them and how they have affected other churches. He says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Macedonia would be like the region that they were in. Philippi was one of the leading cities. So it'd be like saying that 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 we 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 celebrate what happened in this state, and you know that one of the leading cities is, you know, like Toledo, right? And so he's celebrating this. And he says, because of what happened in the Macedonian churches, here's what they did. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, this is interesting, that in their generosity and their giving, the reason they did it was because they were serving the Lord first, and then by the will of God also to us. One of the ways that we partner in the gospel is through our generosity in the way that we give, in the, in the way that we are able to support the work that God is doing. And I wanna just take a moment and thank you for being such a generous church. For so many of you, you're, one of your commitments in your finances is to honor God first with your resources. And Scripture is very clear that when we do that, there's blessing that comes in our lives. Not because, and usually when we're talking in church, it's because we're trying to put a squeeze on with the giving, right? But we're just looking at this because this is one of the traits where Paul says to the church, I I celebrate this church because they've partnered in generosity. Thank you for your generosity. I want to take an opportunity on behalf of our staff to thank so many of you who, who, who gave during Pastor Appreciation Month. And what a blessing that is to our team, to our families. I so many of you that give on a regular basis to, to missions. Just in the last couple of weeks, we have been able to partner with missionaries around the world in urgent requests and things that we've been able to help them because of your generosity. <clears throat> There's a church here in the community that needed a new roof, and Calvary was able to help them to pay for that because of your generosity. That we are able to partner in the work that God's doing in the kingdom, and the reason is because you partner together in the gospel through the way that you give. If you're new in the last two years, you you might not be aware of the Life Change Initiative. Back in February of 2020, we we launched an initiative, a campaign, to be able to raise resources so that we'd be able to expand our facility and add a new auditorium, and we wrapped that up at the end of February of 2020, and we announced things in the first week of March in 2020, and we were just ready to run, amen? And then, (laughs) right? Currently, if we were to build that building, it would be about twice as much in cost as what we originally planned for the budget. So we're waiting. I don't know that I've ever felt in ministry leadership, you know that sense that they talk about in Acts chapter 15 where it says it seems right to the Holy Spirit and to us? When our leadership meets, we just feel that this is a season where we go, okay God, we'll see what you have next. So many of you have been so faithful to continue to give as we look ahead to what God has in store. It's a powerful thing. We, we partner in the gospel through generosity. Let me give you one last one. This is about a dude named Epaphroditus. Philippians chapter two, verse 25. Paul says, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. He's calling him E for short, because E was with Paul. And he says, my brother, coworker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. He goes on to talk about him and says, for he longs for all of you and is distressed, because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. We partner in the gospel through service when we're willing to take those steps of faith, sometimes with a a sense of commitment, sometimes a sense of risk and sacrifice, sometimes to say, God, I'm gonna do what you've placed in my heart to do, and we partner in the gospel through service. I'd, I'd get myself in trouble if I started, but I can't help but look around this room and want to go, yeah, there and there and there and there and there and start pointing out and going, this is what I've seen of people decade after decade of faithfulness, people who have stepped up in key moments to serve, those that have made the church what it is because of their sacrifice and their service and their love not just for the people in the church but their love for Jesus. Because you can talk about places when you talk about a church but a church is about the people. It's the people that make the church what it is And I can tell you that after these 70 years, God has blessed us as a church with incredible people. I can also tell you that this is probably one of the most unique seasons that I've ever seen, in the same way that when you go to your coffee shop or your mechanics or your doctor's office, there's those signs that say, please be patient because we're understaffed. Do you know what I'm talking about? The same thing's affecting not just this church, but the church. Like, I'm, I'm hearing about it from churches all over the country are going, yeah, things are getting back to normal, but people aren't serving in the same way for all kinds of reasons. But i can I encourage you, if you're not serving in some way, somehow, would you partner in the gospel with us? You can go out to our website. You, you scroll down just on the homepage. You'll see a picture. It looks like this. It says, serve at Calvary. You can just click sign up just some contact information from there will help you. You can kind of pick what area you want to get involved in. Or it might even be that you just don't know and we can help you walk through this. Here's the reality. Sometimes people walk into church like Calvary and go, well, they got a lot of people. They probably don't need any help. We got a lot of people and we need a lot of help. <laughs> right?" There's a place for you to serve. And here's what I believe. There is something in the life of the church that God has designed for only you to do. Did you hear about the surgeon that got invited over to his friend's house for Thanksgiving? And uh, they were there. They were getting the meal ready, and his buddy pulled the turkey out of the—he'd uh, he, smoked it. He thought he was a pretty big deal, you know. He pulled out his smoker and brings it in, sets it on the counter, and he's kind of feeling good about himself. And he starts carving the turkey, you know. And he's, he's watched all kinds of YouTube videos, so he knows just how to do it. He's trying to impress his buddy over here. And so he's, he's carving this turkey. He looks over at his buddy, the surgeon, and he says, i uh, doing a pretty good job carving this turkey. Probably be a pretty good surgeon, don't you think? His buddy looked at him and said, anybody can cut something open. Let me see you put it back together. Because the surgeon knew that in that room, there was something that only he could do. In this house, there is something that God has designed that only you can do. Why? Why should I bother? Here's what Paul said to the church that he loved in Philippi, Philippians chapter one, verse seven. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. Paul says, when you do what you do, it helps the gospel to go forward, even if you think that what you do does not matter or that it's minutia or that it's not gonna make a difference. When you do what only you can do, it helps God to accomplish what he wants to do in his kingdom. So here's my question. How is the Holy Spirit leading you to partner in the gospel? Like not just what do you think you can do, not just what do you wanna do, but would you be honest enough to say, Holy Spirit, what are you leading me to do? And some of you immediately go, even if the Spirit whispers something to your heart, oh, I could never do that. Or nobody would ever want that. Or that's not something the church needs. Look, if God's put something in your heart to do it, let us help you partner in the gospel. So how is the Holy Spirit leading you to partner in the gospel? Which takes us to the third thing. We thank God for joy in the journey, and we thank God for partnership in the gospel. And number three, we thank God for his faithfulness. Number three, we thank God for his faithfulness. Paul says, you know, every time I think of you, I thank God, and I pray for you with joy, because from day one, you partnered in what God was doing to move his gospel forward and build his kingdom, and he knows what they've been through. Like, he's sitting in prison, so he knows what it's like to have a season, and he knows what's going on in Philippi, and he knows the issues that they face because of their faith, because of the climate that they live in, because of the historical realities of the time. He knows what it's like for them to have to step away from what they've always known to be faithful to Jesus. He knows what it's like. He knows these people. So he knows that some of them are wrestling with, with health issues. He knows that some of them have financial challenges. He knows that some of them are trying to figure out, what do I really believe? And in the midst of that, he gets to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If God started it, he will be faithful to complete it. Even if it doesn't look like it right now. Even if things are tough, even if it doesn't end the way that you think it should, when Jesus comes back until that day, he will be at work, and someday you're gonna look back, and you're gonna go, God, you were so faithful that he who started that work will carry it on to completion. I was driving not too long ago, and, and it was a little part of town where I'd never really been before, and there was this, it was just like in the middle of nowhere, this building that's never been finished. Like, I don't know how long it's been sitting there, but I was like, well, that's, that's weird. You can tell. There's no construction vehicles, there's no trailers, There's just like this shell of a building. You can just look right through it, and I was like, that's weird. It's almost a little sad, right? Because you're, you're like somebody started something that hasn't been able to be finished. And it's just kind of hanging out there. And it leaves you feeling uneasy. And that was just a building. I don't even know anything about it. I just drove by and I had this weird, conflicted feeling. Some of you know what that's like in your life. And one of the things that Paul's showing us, and as he's speaking to the church, he's saying to them, You persevere, you press on, because what God started in your church, he will carry on to completion. You can trust that he will be faithful. Why? Because Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 16. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So so that's where we'll pick up next week, right? We're gonna talk about how when God does something through his church, nothing's gonna stop it. Like, when God moves forward, nothing will stop the work of God's church except for maybe the church itself. Like, if we won't partner, if we won't trust, if we won't be confident that he's faithful, that's when we miss out on what he wants to do. But God will be faithful to complete it and nothing will stop his church. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that when you look back place after place after place after place, from facet to Oak to Glendale to Glendale to Conant, a group of people who are willing to say, he was faithful there, I believe he'll be faithful in the future. I believe he has something more for us, that there's something that God wants to do, that he is faithful and he's not finished. And so we put our trust and our confidence in him. But, 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 this faithfulness is not just corporate. It's personal. It's individual. And some of you, when I talk about this, the empty shell of a building that shows up in your mind has nothing to do with the church, but it has to do with your dreams or with your family or with your job or with your health. You need to hear that word that Paul uses. Paul says, being confident of this, like I'm I'm persuaded by this, like I'm sure of this. Why do you know Paul was sure of it? Because he'd seen it in the past. He knew what God had done. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of of Christ Jesus until Jesus comes again. How do you know this? How did you can trust him? Listen to what Paul says to the church in Rome, Romans chapter eight. He says, no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future. He says, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. That kind of covers it all, doesn't it? Like he spread it out there. Anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, look, I don't know what you're up against, but God is right there with you. And here's what I'm confident of, that he who was faithful in the past will be faithful faithful to complete the work that he wants to do in your life, if you will put your trust and your confidence, being confident of this, that you can put your trust in him. So some of you need to think about where you're at, the very things that seem to be robbing you of your joy, the places where there's difficulty in your journey, and ask this question, what good work are you asking God to complete in your life? What's the thing that he started? Some days you wonder, is he gonna finish it? And today I'm gonna ask you to believe with confidence that he who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. As a church, I look back, and not just in the places we've been, but in the people I know, we come from a tradition that actively says, God, I believe that what you started, you will finish. Lord, I don't know what it looks right now, but I believe that you can bring healing to my body, to my marriage, to my relationships, to my mind, to my spirit, I believe, God, that you're able to finish what you started, that you can provide because you are the God who is my provider, that you can heal because you are the God who is my healer, that you can bring peace because you are the God who is my peace. And today, I'm gonna ask you to take a step. Look, if you're watching online or maybe by television or you're listening to this on a podcast, then in just a moment, I'd ask you to do something that just gives you the chance to physically respond. Maybe stand up or, or kneel or raise a hand or, or speak out loud or do something that, that lets, lets you make a physical re- reaction or response to this. But if you're here today, whether you're in this room or you're in auditorium too, if that's you, if, if you're in a place where you say, God, I, I believe that what you started, you're going to finish, but I'm actually going to ask you to step out of your seat and come and find a place to stand down here and we're going to pray together. Why? There's a place where I like to go and worship. I don't get there as often as I like, but it's a place that has touched my heart, my soul, my very person since I was a little kid. It's in Warren, Ohio, and it's called the Hot Dog Shop. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. They're on Market Street in Warren. You would drive by and call it a hole in the wall. I call it a holy place. When I go into the hot dog shop and you get your three cheddar chili, your family fries, and your vanilla shake, can I get an amen, Pastor Keith? Because you've been there more than once. That is a life that's been changed right there, folks. <laughs> I can remember going there as a little kid with my grandpa sitting at the counter in his old blue Ford beat up pickup truck. And when I put that hot dog and that sauce and those fries in that moment of worship, when I take that bite, It is so, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I get an amen? Do you know why I walk in there? I walk in there with confidence to know that what was faithful in the past is gonna bless me again. Sorry to do this just before lunch, but I'm having a moment. If you give me just a moment. That's confidence. Why in the world, in a room full of people, in Auditorium 2, would I invite you to step out of your seat and go to the front of auditorium two or here in auditorium one, why would I invite you in a room full of people to step out of your seat and come and stand? Because when you take that step, just like when I walk through the doors of that holy establishment, I have confidence to believe that I'm gonna receive the thing that I'm longing for. I might not know when, I might not know how, but I know this, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. He'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can I ask you to stand with me if you would, please? I don't know what it is, but if you're somewhere on your journey where that verse, Philippians chapter one, verse six, just kind of resonates and you say, God, I gotta be confident that you're gonna be faithful, that you're gonna carry on to completion. This thing in my marriage, in my health, in my family, in my job, in my dreams, in my future, then here's what I'm gonna ask you to do just very simply. Worship team's gonna come just a moment. I'm gonna pray. And then when they begin to sing, would you just step out of your seat? In Auditorium 2, you can just go down to the front in Auditorium 2. Here in Auditorium 1, just kind of come and make room for other people and find a place here. And then we'll pray together in just a moment. And what I'm asking you to do is take a step of confidence because oftentimes a spiritual experience requires a physical response. And that you would just trust that, God, I put this in your hands. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word that's not just truth but that it fills us with faith and it fills us with hope and it fills us with joy and it stirs confidence in us. And Lord, you know exactly, exactly what some of us are wrestling with, the places where we find ourselves, the questions we're asking, the things that cause us to go, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what to do. But Lord, you are the one that we look to and we're confident of this, that he who began a good work, he's going to carry it on to completion, that he will be faithful to complete it. And so we trust in you today in Jesus name. Amen. if you need to take that step of confidence, would you come, join me here at the front? We're going to pray together here in just a moment.
1: Faithful you are faithful for forever you will be faithful you are in all your promises I yes and amen in all your promises I yes and amen he is faithful
0: Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Being confident of this. He who began a good work. So I, I I won't even pretend to know what that good work is that's in your heart if you're watching or listening to this somewhere. If you're standing at the front of Auditorium 2, or you're down here, but you do, you know, God knows. So before we do anything else, right there where you are, can you give that to him? Can you just begin to talk to him about it and trust it to him? Talk to your father who loves you, to Jesus who's the same yesterday and today and forever, to the Holy Spirit who has promised to be the one who's gonna come alongside of you and support you, be your comforter, your counselor, your advocate right now. Would you just entrust that to him? Say, God, you know, you know what that thing is, you know what that person is, that relationship, that experience, that place where I need healing, or where I need provision, or where I need strength, that place where I'm looking for you to be faithful in my life. For some of you, this is a huge step of faith today because you're coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you to do what nobody else can do. For others of you, that's it's years and years of something that you've held on to that today you just need to say, God, help me to find joy even if I can't figure out what's going on here. Father, we thank you that in this moment, the step that that we are taking is one of confidence. To say that we believe that you are the one, we know this because when we look at the past, we see your faithfulness over and over and over again. And it might not make sense right now. Right now, it might look like an empty shell. And we, we might go, we don't, we don't get it, but we're believing that somehow this is for our deliverance. So would you fill hearts right now with joy? Lord, that even in the midst of our challenges, our hope, our confidence is in the character of our God. And Lord, would you remind us that even though it doesn't make sense that he who started a work will carry it on to completion. Father, right now, I pray you'd bring peace where there's grief. And God, that you'd bring wisdom where there's a lack of clarity. God, I pray that you would bring healing where things are not right. God, would you give courage and faith where things seem to be too big or too difficult. Father, I pray that you would give forgiveness and hope. Lord, that you would give a a sense that you are the one who restores and renews works things out. Lord, for the one who's weary and tired, would you strengthen them right now? And Lord, for the one who wonders, how is this whole thing gonna work out? Would you remind them right now that they can be confident of this, that he who began a good work is faithful and he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey look for those of you that are down here. I guess this this would this would go for everybody, but there's something powerful about memorizing scripture that that when you find yourself in a place the Holy Spirit can bring that scripture back to your memory or you can quote that, you can hold on to that. If you don't already have Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 downloaded in your hard drive, make sure you do that before the day's over. So that when you step out of here and you go back and you're face to face with the thing that seems undone, when you have questions where you're not sure how something's gonna work out, where it feels more like prison than deliverance, that there's moments where you can come back and you don't, you don't have to just go back to your Bible, but God's word you've hidden in your heart so you can come and you can say, but I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in my life is gonna carry it on to completion. And so I trust him until the day that Jesus returns and it all makes sense. And I see it all come together. You're welcome to stay at this altar and pray for a while if you want. If you wanna go back to your seats, you can do that as well. Church, can we just take a moment and celebrate what God is doing in people's lives here today? And hey, look, you do not wanna miss next Sunday. It literally is gonna be a party. We are gonna celebrate what God has done in the past and what he is doing in the future. Let me pray for you. Father, thanks for your word that speaks to us. Thanks that we can be in your house and be reminded of who you are. Thanks for your faithfulness through the journey. So Lord, we choose joy. We partner with you and we are confident of this, that in your faithfulness, we know that he who began a good work It's gonna carry it on to completion in each one of our lives. Now, Lord, as we go from here, would you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.